0: Things Girlfriends Share. Welcome to Girlfriend It, hosted by women for women on a variety of topics most relevant to our daily lives. Weekly, we have incredible, inspiring, and influential guests as we explore everything from why ambitious women don't quite reach their full potential to how we deal with the dailiness of life. Together, we will hear compelling stories of other individuals in hopes of one thing. How do we get to know ourselves? All right. Welcome, welcome to Girlfriend It. This is Patty Lynn Wyatt, and I am the host of the show today without our girlfriends, and instead... We have Kurt Williams as our guest today, and I'm so excited to chat with Kurt. Uh, he is a pastor, a writer, and a spiritual director. And Kurt, you sent me your book, and I have to tell you, it's one of those that I couldn't put down, but I had to put down, and then I would huh. pick back up, and I would fast forward, because you know how we do that? Instead of mm-hmm. reading every word, we and then I was like, oh no, I have to go back. <laughs> Because <laughs> I missed a big chunk here, and you share just some amazing things in your book, and and I have to tell you uh, the part where you're you're talking about where is Jesus, and you list all the things um of where is he? You know, we we talk about yeah. uh, mental illness racism slavery conflict with loved ones abuse of the vulnerable world hunger gun violence social inequity you know viral pandemics all these things and that is where i find that so many of i work with a lot of younger girls in uh college age and well now they're they're getting older because i'm getting Mm. older but that is their number one question i'm sure you hear that all the time as a pastor it's like where is jesus i i want to believe in jesus but there's this, this darkness that we, we can't get over, and we have all this pain in the world. And you share your pain, uh, tremendous violence and abuse that you've gone through. Uh, will you unpack some of that with us right now? I know yeah. I'm like diving in. I just went from, hello, welcome. We have Kurt. Uh, oh, <laughs> share your pain. But like, what inspired you to write this and what took place in your life?
1: Oh, wow. Well, thank you so much for having me as part of this conversation first. I mean, what a gift to be with you. And, you know, this book was never going to be about my pain. It actually started out as a book about I just want to talk about the humanity of Jesus. And when you look at his life, you see the the kind of human we're all invited to become. You know, some Christians will call that uh, discipleship or spiritual formation, you know? And um then i I came to this point where I realized that, the most human thing of all that unites us to something Jesus actually experienced is pain. And so what do we do with that? And so, yeah, Jesus doesn't always seem to be present to fix everything. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. If you look at Jesus's own life, Jesus doesn't get all his stuff fixed either. And so there's something to really tease out there. Now, what that meant for me is that I had, um, I have the story. And, you know, I've shared parts of my story um, of early childhood abuse and some of the real suffering I went through as a kid in other places, you know, um, maybe in a a church service or some, you know, some testimonial space, but never in a format like a book that's going to be out to the world. You know, that's that that was something that took a little bit of I know You know, I kind of knew that I felt led to do that, but I had to really unpack how do I tell the story so I don't shame other people who are connected? How do I do this in a way that's fully authentic to me? And how do I do it in a way that invites people into their own pain rather than saying, look at the author. He's such a hero. He must have it all figured out. Because the truth is what I try to do is say, I don't have this figured out. But I want to learn from the one who does, and that's Jesus. And so that's kind of the path that took me to uh, sharing some of my real moments of both childhood pain and some adult adult pain. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the first draft, one or two or three stories like that. The final draft, quite a few more, because as I was writing, it was like, oh, I forgot about that thing when I was a kid. And I had to step back into some real yeah neglected memories so yeah it's been quite the journey uh, to say the least
0: well you have a way uh you're a gift for sure um and and that's what's so cool we we all have this like divine design and like you said first draft and then all of a sudden you're unpacking and you realize i have way more here to share and i'm so glad you did The, the way that you the imagery that unfolds this fourth grade boy that's in the bed and and having to deal Mm. with you know someone coming in to where it it should be a safe place and i know um my heart just breaks for you that's not why you wrote Mm. this book but it breaks for you and it breaks for every child that is out there that is having to go through this and you know do you ever get where you're just i don't know usually it happens when i'm out hiking where all of a sudden you get overwhelmed and i start praying for those kids that are being abused and those kids that are being sold into slavery. And you just, it can, it can be overwhelming, you know, where you do feel just that the, the tears yeah. that well up. And, and that's what took place when I was reading your book going, wow. okay, this is what is, is happening somewhere right now as, as I'm reading this. So I'm I'm so glad that you were able to convey this, this message because I, I grew up, and you know the Brady Bunch. I'm I'm Cindy. I'm the baby, and so I grew up where everyone doted on you. Uh, yeah. You know, when you walked in a room, it was oh look at look at her. You know.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> to know that you would go to bed in fear um, mm. is is overwhelming. But you mentioned in your in your book, there's a time when you said uh, it's in like chapter two or three about uh it's it's not where is jesus uh what, what is it what is that chapter it's like hello you know something about where are you god or it, something's going wrong or, or something here yeah about driving down the road with the shooting and and hearing it on the radio oh, and oh yeah that's what happened in in my life i had my bubble burst my little christian bubble Of My college roommate was at Wedgwood Baptist Church in Texas, and a shooter walked in and started a shooting spree and killed her and then went into the worship center and killed a bunch of teenage kids. And then months later, my mom was in um, a mass shooting where a man walked in and said, you know, I'm going to kill you all. And you're able to take this pain and kind of store it somewhere Mm -hmm. for a little while. And you think you're good and you forget yeah. that it is a daily thing. And so even mm-hmm. reading your book, as you talked about driving down the road and you grab the steering wheel and you actually apologized for your language in the book. Yeah. Like, there's <laughs> no other word to express this.
1: Yeah. And,
0: um, and it, it 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 did, it expressed because that's exactly you know, there are times it just wells up and you go, Okay, God where yeah. are you in these in these moments so tell us about that how you you talked about owning your pain and mm-hmm. um that's like the first step forward in healing uh share yeah. a little bit more of how you dealt with that
1: yeah yeah no absolutely you know i think the example you point to is definitely one of the formative places in the last you know in the last decade or so that um kind of reawakened some of the um, the neglected pain. And, and there's multiple moments like that in my journey. Um, and that moment was, of course, for me, just hearing the Columbine shooting kind of mm-hmm. in real time as I'm driving down the highway, trying to just lamenting and saying, God, why, why? And, um, you know, I, I don't always have a perfect why answer. I, I don't even know after writing this book that I have a perfect why answer. But, um, you know, what I have found is it's probably two things I would say that love is, you know, if you're going to go all in on love, there is always the risk that pain's going to follow. And it doesn't matter the nature of it, at least in this life. Right. Because even my spouse, my wife, you know, I have gone all in on love. She's gone all in on love. And a day will come when one of us isn't with each other anymore. Mm-hmm. and we'll have to ask the question was it worth going all in on love you mm-hmm. know and i think most people say yes but it's it's hard it's risky and i think often what happens because we 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 know inevitably something isn't going to be perfect down the road mm-hmm. um we we hold back and so that's one thing that i've kind of been processing through this book and i mean in recent 2 years um the other thing i would say is that um, sometimes it's interesting that trauma or grief, let's say grief, that mm-hmm. grief in one situation brings up a bunch of other griefs that have more processing mm-hmm. left in them. And I think yeah, I, I hear that in some of what you're saying. You know, Later in the book, I talk about a situation where one grief that was really significant to me, broke me down, um, actually reminded me of when my uncle passed away, tragically, and when my grandpa passed away. You know? And so So, having to hold all of that, and where my temptation is every coping mechanism possible to hide the pain, to push the pain away, I I wonder if sometimes, um, you know, incrementally so, because we got to guard our heart, we got to guard our, you know, mental health and all of that, but incrementally so, I start to wonder maybe some of those coping mechanisms are pulling me away from something that um, could be healing walking with Jesus through what, what is real and what is real. Mm -hmm. Well, some things don't go how we want them to go. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And, and when you're saying that, like walking you through it, I think even writing this book, you probably realized how therapeutic that was. Uh And so often we don't want to share, like you said, it's not necessarily because we don't want to get stuck maybe in this place and have it be our identity, but you don't want to hurt those, that, are part of that story. And so there's so many, you know, things that play into this that stop (laughs) us. I think the enemy actually stops us from going, no, no, no. You know, you, you really can't do that because that's going to, as you're writing it, it's like, Ooh, you know, I, I need to back away and really, you know, pray to make sure this is what I, I can say and, and how I say it. And also praying that not only for family members, but for how other people can can receive it. Because mm-hmm. some, sometimes we we say things, I'll give you an example that really hurt me. Right after my mom passed away, I was sitting in a room with several pastors. I come from a family of ministry leaders and pastors, mm-hmm. and uh, there were several pastors in the room. And this is a story I couldn't share for such a long time because I didn't want to hurt that person by saying it. But he said, this was God's perfect plan. Mm. And it killed, like, I thought I was going to throw up, you know, it was yeah. one of those yeah. where it was yeah. so raw and there was so much pain there. And I, I wanted to just run out of the room and I could not get my head around, okay, how is this God's plan? How is this God's mm-hmm. perfect plan? And my brother said, Patty, Jesus wept. And Jesus is grieving with us right now. And it it was transformational for me. Even yes. though you've heard those verses and you kind of mocked that verse being the mm-hmm. you know shortest verse. The shortest
1: a- one, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: And all of a sudden here it had the biggest impact on me that Jesus was weeping with me right now. And it wasn't about, oh, this is his perfect plan. It was the fact that he was grieving with me. And that's a perfect example of how it's, it's therapeutic t- to talk about it. And forever I couldn't, because I was so afraid, oh, I don't, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. But finally you're like, no, this can benefit that person out there that says those things, even though we're not always going to say the perfect thing. I know for me, I will do all things. I have no shame gene. I say the worst things in the worst time <laughs> that <laughs> I haven't learned, <laughs> but I know not to say that. <laughs> you yeah. know? So I've learned that yeah. much.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Wow. You know, it's so interesting. Um, that's definitely one of the narratives that I'm trying to push people, or, or not even push. I really just try to invite. Like, what if? What if this isn't God's perfect plan? Like, what if this isn't God's will? Mm-hmm. You know, so many times what we try to do with pain is we try to package it up in a way that makes sense for us, and and that's natural. And I think I, I can. Um, I'm certainly empathetic to some of those impulses. But I think what the Bible says, um, if if you really start to dig at it, is that um, God has um, no plans to harm anyone, Mm -hmm. but in a broken world like ours, harm happens. And so what does God do? God uses every resource possible to take whatever mess we find ourselves in and to salvage whatever is there for growth, for transformation, without ever ever even having a single desire to have caused the initial pain point in the first place. You know, often we, we see things like, you know, so-and-so died, but look at so-and-so, this is church language, but so-and-so got saved because of it or something, right? And, yeah. and we, we attribute the, he, he had to die so that person would get saved. And what I think is actually more likely is this person died and God is so good in our grief that God will take whatever possible, recycle it, and try and bring about good fruit where, it, where it's possibly going to happen. And so someone getting saved isn't because God had to kill someone or let them die, but more so God is just always on the move trying to bring good out of bad, but never causing the bad in the first place. And I, I think if we can really grab that our picture of God becomes someone who nurtures us, who's in the room with us when we suffer and um, who's grieving when, um, you know, free will does its thing. And God kind of not passively backs away, but actually because of free will says, I don't want this, but, I, you know, God could interrupt all of the things that God doesn't want in the world. And then we wouldn't have a free world where we can freely choose love, you know? And so it seems that God has chosen freedom over perfection so that we can actually discover life, discover relationship with God and with each other. And that's really hard. But, um, I, one thing I say in the book, I would much rather at this point in my life have God's empathy than God's absolute control. Mm -hmm. And, um, I believe God is on a mission to, you know, there is a resolution coming. God is going to bring heaven to earth and heal and purge. And, you know, there is a future for us after this is all done. Um, but in the meanwhile, God's empathy is what I found the most comfort in. God's solidarity and love and presence.
0: Mm-hmm. When when you say God's empathy, when did you, I mean, here you are this fourth grade boy Mm. and when did you start feeling his empathy when you know we like you said earlier you know christian talk it's it's so true especially when you grow up christian it's like when did you have that peace that passes all understanding Uh uh-huh
1: totally totally when did Uh, you get you know what what a great question um i there's things i didn't share in the book one of which is that in the midst of a really hard childhood well i did share that like had a night and day life because everyone outside of my immediate house situation with mom and abusive uh, stepdad figure um, was like light and love to me. Um, so I accepted Jesus as like a four and a half year old right in the midst of all of this about to start. Right. And I, you know, before I had some of the categories that I talked about, in, you know, a few minutes ago, I would have told you that I believe that God did something kind and special and guarded my heart in a way that coming through all of those circumstances, you know, I have a lot of things. I've had to go to therapy. I've had to work it out. But there are a lot of people who go through what I did who have it much harder when they get Mm -hmm. older. And so in some ways, I, I think that it started very early. I don't know that I would talk about it back then like that, or even in my early young adulthood, I would have talked about it that way. But I think it was very young that I realized in the midst of all this, somehow God cares about me. Somehow Mm -hmm. God really wants to be with me. Um, I never really blamed God per se for all of my stuff. I don't know. I just never went there. Some people do. But I certainly questioned and wrestled. Um, But God, I feel like from a very early age, was gracious and was with me anytime that I could possibly experience God. And sometimes... I didn't, and that was hard too.
0: Yeah, it is interesting. You you mentioned you never blamed God because um, I don't know what that is. If it just really is that you know the Holy Spirit I, just has your heart, but like you said, mm. if you say that, then it's like other people really are wrestling with mm-hmm. that
1: because sure, uh,
0: I have never blamed. God for the tragedy in, in my life. And I I have this huge banner on my wall when you talk about free will. Um, C.S. Lewis, how he talks about, you know, if, if something is free, it's also free to be bad. So mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. free, you know, that's what evil, that's what makes evil possible. And so even though we can pray and that prayer moves the hand of God, you still have Evil in the realm that is also, you know, that that spiritual, you know, conflict that's taking, um, you know, just the principalities. But Mm -hmm.
1: when Mm -hmm.
0: when you're um, talking about that, I I find that interesting how people have actually said, aren't you so angry at God? Have you had people ask?
1: you You know, I feel like it's come up over the years. Like, yeah you know, how are you not angry? And, and let me be clear. I, I have wrestled with God. I've had doubts. I mean that I, I would never shame anyone for going through their own process. Yeah. I have, I've have lamented. So, so it's not like I haven't said God, what the heck, but at the end of the day, it's God, what the heck yet? You love me. You know, it's kind of yeah. that Psalm pattern in my life. And, um, because through the pain, for me, it's always been, God has been that safe place. Um, God has been that anchoring place through the pain. Um, I know that's not true for everyone. And so I'm going to hold that, but yes, I have definitely been asked those kinds of questions and I think they're valid. I definitely think they're valid. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, talk about, you talk about the dance of, of pain and, and hope Mm. and share a little bit more about, about that. Like what, what was happening? What was taking place in your life that you saw? You, you have to have both.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Um. So, so the reason the book's called Echoing Hope is this idea that um, imagining if the grave is really empty, you know, and imagine, you know, an ancient cave-like grave structure. And, you know, I just play with that language a little bit. And when Jesus is no longer in there, there's just hollow echoes, right? And that's hopeful for us. That's, that um, has moved those echoes reverberate all the way into our present, that the grave is actually empty. And so for me, what's been really significant is um, kind of anchoring it in that part of the Jesus story, the resurrection and saying, through pain, Jesus comes out the other side resurrected. And that is so hopeful for me. So so when I think about like why am I a Christian, the first thing I always think about is, because Jesus is raised from the dead and wants to be my friend like that. That's really like the core of how I experience um, God. And so hope isn't like something that you eventually arrive, arrive at, and um, but it kind of goes on forever. Hope is actually a temporary word. Hope is something is wrong right now. So I need the hope that it won't be eventually. And so hope says, yes, pain is real, but hope says it won't be forever. And so I have to hold hope alongside suffering and pain and all of that and hold them in dynamic tension because they're, they're um, related to each other. They're um, necessary. Hope isn't some happy, happy, clappy thing later. Hope is like right now. How do we experience um, beauty in our world? How do we experience, you know, my, my kid is in the other room on a, on a laptop, iPad, doing school. My wife is teaching in another room, doing school. Things aren't perfect, but you know what? Um, There are so many times when we also, in the midst of just regular grinding life that's hard, we can look at those gifts in our life and say, you know what? Things aren't perfect, but right now, The hope of Jesus is anchoring me in this moment where I get to hang out with my little kid and play Uno while she's supposed to be at recess where I get to, you know, and that to me is so important that we are shaped by what is in front of us right now, anchored in the hope that Jesus says, I'm with you now and I'm with you tomorrow and a day will come where all graves are going to be empty. And that, oh my goodness, that is such a beautiful part of the Christian story.
0: Yeah, yeah. So what, when you talk about in your book, you know, really want wanting to um, share that Jesus was a man, that mm-hmm. Jesus walked on earth. Do you remember a time when you just became passionate about how do I convey this to other people? Like what, what gave you that strong
1: desire? Uh, so, you know, when I was a teenager, of course, a big book was, uh, Philip Yancey had a book on on this topic. I think I forget what it's called right now. It's evading me. But on on the idea that um, Jesus was a Jewish man who sweat, who experienced this real hard life, you know. And so that's always stuck with me. But it's really uh, some of the Bible influences I've had over the years. NT Wright, Scott McKnight, and others who awakened me to the reality that. Being human is God's gift. It is not a curse, you know. Um, curse comes when we make bad choices, per se, I guess. But like being human, I, I grew up thinking, you know, eventually I'm not gonna be human because I'll go to heaven when I die. And when I'm in heaven, I I'll be like ghostly or angel-like or whatever. And and what I think the Bible actually says is. God created humanity in a good world and called it very good and said, bear my image. That goes wrong, but God has been on a mission from that moment to say, I want humanity to really fully bear my image because that's what they were designed for. They weren't designed to escape the world. They were designed to cultivate and help the world flourish and to reflect my love. And so to me, that has been um, a huge deal. So when we see Jesus No wonder the Bible has this language says, Jesus is the second Adam, right? Why is Jesus the second Adam? Well, Jesus is the human being. We are all invited to be in the first place. And so if we look at the way Jesus does life, look, I'm not in the first century. I'm not a Jewish man. Neither are you. But what can we look at as we look at the life of Jesus and say, whoa, he's invited me to become more human like him, not less human. And that, I think, is one of the gifts that um, drew me into the subject for sure. Yeah.
0: All right. So tell us, we have just a couple minutes before we're Mm -hmm. ending the show. And I just want to say thanks again for writing the book. Uh, Thank you for being on the show. And thanks for answering to the calling that God obviously gave you. What at what point did you know, I am going to be a pastor? I know you have your master's of divinity, mm. you're your all things into how do I share the gospel? Uh, yeah. What point did you go, this is my path? This is my calling?
1: Yeah, um, I'll, I'll I'll be brief. But in the story I share about a time when in high school, I started partying and kind of was going on a, a trajectory that would have been a bad path in the end and um, had a friend intervene and say, you could be so much more than this. Well, that led to the next year um, having a radical transformation with Jesus as a sophomore at the end of my sophomore year of high school. And I went to summer camp that year and um, a lot had changed in my life over the course of about three or four months. uh, It was just powerful. And um, I had a call to ministry. I wouldn't have called it a charismatic experience at the time, but it was. and And it's been this deep moment of, I'm called to be someone who shows people Jesus's love in ministry contexts, And so that really changed the trajectory of my whole life. Um, That's when I started wrestling with my past. And it's when, um, you know, doors started opening towards internships, pastoral ministry, and eventually, you know, I started writing as well. So um, yeah, it was a powerful moment when I was about 16 years old, and I'd never looked back.
0: Wow. I, I just love stories like that. You know, you you kind of re- in your own little world over here, and you're just doing your struggles, like you said. And you're, you know, I have, I have a kid next door as well doing uh, college. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you just go, okay, here you are in another state, being called by God, and 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 answering, you know, what yeah, what do you ask you to be obedient to? So we just want to thank you for being on the show and thank you for listening to Girlfriended for listening to Girlfriend It because our girlfriends are where we get our best tips for life. Find us on Facebook at Girlfriend It, hit subscribe to iTunes or toginet.com.